Man, it is uh, great to be with you. Today we're continuing our series, A Better Story. And uh, I get to talk to you this morning about a comeback story. How many of you guys love a good comeback story? All right, if you didn't raise your hand, you're not alive, all right? But sometimes the reality is it's just too late for a comeback. Sports gives us some great pictures of that. When you're down by five touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Too soon, I know, I get it. But it can be too late for a comeback in sports, but not you, not you. It's never too late for a comeback for you. Why is that? Because God can always do something new in your life. That's the truth about you, and it's the truth about me. My wife believes this about her gardening skills and her plants. Uh, This is a picture of a pot on our back patio. What you don't see is a beautiful hydrangea. It's coming back, all right? What I've learned, I've been married long enough, is like, I'm not touching this pot, all right? I'm just going to let it be, and it's going to sit there for I don't know how long, all right? But it's coming back, all right? But as long as you're breathing on this planet, there's still time for a comeback. It's never too late for a comeback. The life of Moses in the Bible gives us some powerful examples of God's work in our lives that it's not too late for a comeback. Maybe it looks that way for you because of the setback that you've experienced. Maybe it's been so long ago that you just simply say and think, man, and believe there's no way that God is going to be able to do anything with this. Maybe it's because some of the mistakes that you've made or the opportunities that you've passed up. You may think, yeah, not, not for me, maybe somebody else, but not for me. You may be even have thought, man, my, my setback, it, it was so long ago, it's just simply not going to happen. There's just no way. And I hope, my hope for you today is this, is that through this story, through the life of Moses, that you experience some hope. But here's the reality of this situation, is you might not get back what you lost. You might not get back the job. You might not get back the money. You might not get back the house. You might not get back the marriage. See, you might not get back what you lost, but God still has a comeback story in store for you. There may be something new that he's wanting to do in and through your life. And Moses' story is a story of comeback after comeback after comeback. In fact, Moses' life begins with a comeback. Moses was supposed to be killed as a baby. In fact, the Egyptians were killing all the Hebrew boys in the land. And Moses was born at this time and they were kind of regulating the population, the growth of the Hebrew people. And Moses was not supposed to make it out alive. But instead, someone placed him into the Nile River and he floats down into Pharaoh's house. In fact, this is a miracle in itself. Not only that he wound up in the wife of Pharaoh, but that he wound up in the Nile River and survived. If you've ever been to the Nile River, it's not an easy place. It's a place of danger. The big five live there, Africa's big five. I've been there. In fact, I spent the night on the Nile River and they told me, don't leave your tent at night. Why? Because of the hippos. And I was like, got it. Not happening. 
Not even going to touch the door. Why? Because I value my life. I don't want to give it to the life. I don't want that to be my story, right? But Moses was adopted into Pharaoh's household. What a comeback at even three years old. It looks like he's set for life. It looks like he's going to be a prince for life. He's going to live in a palace forever. And then this happens. We find the story in Acts 7. It says, one day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses, Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God has sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day, he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting, and he tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There, his two sons were born. Moses lived in Midian for 40 years, afraid that Pharaoh was going to find out that he killed this man and that he was going to have consequences to face. He marries, he becomes a shepherd, and it literally looks like there's just no possible way for a comeback. And then in Acts 7, we find this guy named Stephen telling the story of Moses. It says, 40 years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. Now that's fascinating in itself. We get more of this story in Exodus 3. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement as you and I would. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Moses in this moment is getting set up for a comeback and it starts with this burning bush experience. I think there's a burning bush experience in store for many of us in the room. Here's what I mean by that. You need to write this down in the midst of the routine. When you least expect it, you are surprised by God's invitation. In the midst of the routine, when you least expect it, you are surprised by God's invitation. That's what the burning bush experience was for Moses and can be for you. It was a routine day. He was tending sheep, doing the same things. There was nothing different about that day. Just like many of you in the room, as you got up this morning, you got dressed, you came to church, there's nothing different about this day. You're sitting in church one more time. It's one more Sunday. Moses had been there for 40 years. He had woken up to the same landscape 14,600 times. That's a lot of mornings. What was going to be different about this day? And then God shows up and everything changes. What made the burning bush extraordinary was the fire. 
It was God's presence in the middle of the bush. God's presence is what changes in our lives. It can cause a bush to catch on fire. It can cause a life to come back to life. We continue the story in verses four and five. It says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him in the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here am I, he replied. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. The first thing Moses hears from this bush is his own name. That's actually my prayer for you this morning that you would hear your, name, your own name, that God is going to say something to you personally about his direction and his plan for your life. This is holy ground you're standing on, Moses. The chair that you're sitting in right now or wherever you're listening to this message, that can be holy ground for you. Now, I'm not saying the person's hair in front of you is gonna catch on fire. Lord, we hope not. That would be some excitement in the room this morning, wouldn't it? And I'm certainly not asking you to take off your shoes because nobody wants to experience that, all right? Especially those people sitting next to you. But it can be a space or a place where God shows up in your life and he does something unordinary, extraordinary. Moses has this meeting with God that gave him the power to take the next step in his life. Here's what I've learned about comebacks is they're not easy. It's a struggle. You might not even be sure that it's the right direction for you. It can be scary. It can be risky. Sometimes God has a comeback in store for you and you're just simply not ready for it. It's the reality of our situations. Sometimes it's been so long, you're thinking, I, I, I really don't even know if this is gonna work. God, really? You want me to do this? And sometimes you're just simply afraid to hope because you don't wanna be disappointed one more time. God, I, I don't know if I can trust you again for that. God, I've been burned so many times. And God says to Moses, I want you to go. I want you to set these people free from Egypt. And Moses responds just like you and I would as he begins to ask God some questions. He says, God, who, who am I? Who am I to do this? God, I'm a shepherd. I'm out here in the wilderness. I, I'm just a, an ordinary guy with a shepherd's staff. And that, that's all I do is I tend sheep. Who am I to do this? Moses protest. He says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God gives a simple response, yet powerful. He says, Moses, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And Moses responds exactly like you and I does. And he says, yeah, right. God, or, just ordinary me, ordinary Moses, I'm not qualified. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you're looking at your qualifi qualifications, you're right. It's not going to work. You're always going to be unqualified for what God wants to do in and through your life. 
Whatever you may say about yourself, when we all have this beautiful self-talk, don't we? I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm not smart enough. I, I, I don't have that skill set, God. And God's looking at Moses, he says, I, I don't want you to look at your qualifications. That's not what got you here. And sometimes we settle into our setbacks and they actually become the routine of our lives as we get really comfortable. We get really used to the setback. Sometimes we think that's just the way that it's gonna be. That's the way that things are and we get stuck in the setback and we simply begin to believe there is no way out of this. Sometimes we hear God knock and he's literally standing at the door and we're in the room and like there's, there, we, just, we simply cannot fathom of walking up to the door and answering. We're, God, we're just like, God, there's no way that I can answer the door. There's no way. And God looks at you and I this morning, just as he looked at Moses. He says, I, I want you to re- I want to remind you of something. I will be with you. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter the fears that you're facing right now, no matter your situation, I will be with you. Now, God could have done something here. He, he truly could have built Moses up. And he could have reminded him that he was the only Israelite who grew up in an Egyptian household. Not only did he grow up in an Egyptian household, he grew up in the Pharaoh household. If anybody was qualified to do this, it was Moses. But God does something else. Instead of reminding Moses of his qualifications, as God points to himself, And he reassures Moses of this. Hey, Moses, I'm with you. You you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. Trust me here. I will be with you. What does that tell me? Is that I don't have to look to myself for the comeback. I can't look at my qualifications or my abilities. I have to look at who God is. This morning, you may be here and going through the toughest transition of your life. Who do you look at? God says this morning to you, remember, I will be with you. Maybe you're facing the greatest challenge of your life. And God's reminder to you this morning is this, I haven't left you. I'm still with you. My promise as it was to Moses is I will be with you. Maybe you're here this morning and and God's been tapping you on the shoulder, wanting to do something new in and through your life. And the reminder is still true. I'm with you. I will be with you in the midst of this. You see, God is more than willing to make up for any lack of ability that you and I may or may not have. In fact, I'm gonna share one of my fears with you this morning, and this is probably gonna shock you a little bit. I've been terrified for all of my life to be put in a room with 10 or 20 people as a facilitator and a teacher. I can't explain it, I hate it. I avoid that space with everything within me. 
I can't even tell you where the fear began. But I've told myself over the years, if I prayed the right prayer, if I read the right scriptures, that the fear would go away. Guess what? It hasn't. Welcome to life. I believed the feelings would go away. What I had to learn is this, is that God will be with me in the midst of those feelings. I have to trust him. It's not a matter of God taking those feelings away. It's a matter of me stepping in by faith and saying, you know what? I'm still gonna walk in the room. I'm terrified, but I'm gonna walk in the room. And God, you're gonna be with me even in the midst of my feelings of an inadequacy. And here's what I realized about us is we all feel inadequate, right? If you're alive, you feel inadequate at some point in your life. And here's the beauty of it, because you are, (laughs) right? We are inadequate. We're flawed creatures. But here's this great reminder by this guy named Paul in the Bible in 2 Corinthians. He says, it's not that we think that we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. It comes from him. You see, when we're feeling inadequate, we can choose to go after comfort and control to make ourselves feel better, right? Or we can choose to go after God's love and saying, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna allow you to do what only you can do. Instead of building yourself up where you believe that you're ready for the comeback, what you do instead is you trust God that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. He's gonna give you the strength to take each step along the way. God tells Moses, I will be with you. But Moses responds exactly like you and I would. Okay, that's cool about God, but I I have some questions, right? Like, like I I got a few questions here. Here's my first one. Who, Who am I? Who am I, God? Who am I? The second question was this, is who are you? God, who are you? If if I'm gonna trust you, excuse me for being doubtful here, but if I'm going to lean on who you are, then I've gotta know some things about who you are. Exodus 3 says this. Moses continues to protest. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? (laughs) And Moses, God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And Moses says to God, God, thank you very much. Um, That's a great answer. That really helps a lot. I am. But what is God saying? I am the one who can meet your every need need. I am the only one who can meet your every need. In fact, God continues this rhythm and practice all throughout the Old Testament. He says, he continues to use these I am statements, but he builds on them. He says, I am your provision. Some of you this morning are here and you need God to provide for you in in a miraculous way. And God is here to remind you this morning, I am your provision. I am your Jehovah Jireh. 
I am your victory. Some of you are looking at at situations that are facing you right now, and you're like, there is no way that I'm going to come out of this on top. Absolutely no way. And God is here to remind you this morning, I am your victory. I am your Jehovah Nisi. I am your peace. Some of you walked in the room and and man, it's like, it's turmoil, it's chaos in your life. And God is here to remind you this morning, I am your peace. I am your Jehovah Shalom. Some of you haven't felt God in months or years. And God is here this morning to remind you, I am still there. I am there. I am your Jehovah Shammah. And God is saying, I am the one who can meet your every need. In a world where we continually say, I wish. I wish I had made a different decision there. I wish I had done that differently. God steps up and says, no, I am. I am. You can trust me. You can put me in charge. I am the one that's gonna help you take the next step. You see, there's a sense of confidence in those words. But Moses goes on, he says, God, that's great, but, but I have some more questions. What, what about them, God? What about them? What about those people that I'm afraid of? What about those people that there's just no way that I can go to them? It's, it's just too difficult. God I, I, God, I have a really bad feeling about this one. Like, you, you really want me to go to them and, and tell them about the burning bush? And then when they ask me who sent you, you really want me to, to reply, uh, I, I am? That, that, that's not going to go well, God. In fact, that's, that's just going to be weird. It's going to come out sideways. And I, I just don't think that I can do this. Nothing good is going to come of this. Oh, and, and by the way, God, let me remind you, I, I tried that once before. I actually tried to be the savior of those people. I tried to set them free, and it didn't work out. What about them? What are they going to think? What are they going to do? These are the fears that are real in our lives that we wrestle with day after day after day. Moses continues to protest to God, just like you and I would, Exodus 4. He does this for chapters. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? And God asked Moses a fascinating question. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff? But what about them? What are they keeping you from? How are they keeping God's best out of your life? What if they look down on me? What if they reject me? What if they don't like me? What are they going to say? Sometimes this can be people that aren't even in our lives any longer. Like they've moved on. They they only live in the state. Maybe it's people that aren't even alive. They've passed on. But we carry their words with them. And we think we're hung up on what are they going to say? What are they going to think? So we never take the step of faith. What do we do 
when we're paralyzed by the fears of what others are gonna think or what they're gonna say. First of all, we have to realize, just like Moses did, is that we're not alone. Moses was paralyzed by these fears. We have to get our eyes off of them and put them on God. I think we all know what we have to do. The question is, how do we do it? How do we do it? And here's God's answer to Moses. Moses, what's in your hand? What, what, do, you, what do you have in your hand? You see, sometimes God answers our question with a question. <laughs> and we sit there and we're like, oh, that's helpful, thanks. Not really an answer. See, often God uses the familiar to take away our fears, just like he did with Moses, of what they might say or what they might do. What was Moses holding in his hand? A shepherd's staff. Exodus 4, we find out what God asked him to do. He says, I want you to throw it on the ground. So Moses throws the staff down, just a stick, and it turned into a snake. Moses did exactly what you and I would do. He jumped back. I, I have this belief that every, like, the only good snakes are dead snakes, right? Are you with me in that club? And then the Lord told him to reach out and grab it by its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it. That would be a true miracle if I actually did that. I'd be like, no. And it turned back into a shepherd's staff. You see, the answer to the them question is this. What's in your hand? And are you willing to place it in God's hands? Are you willing to release it unto God and say, God, I'm, I'm actually not gonna hold this any longer. God, I'm, I'm gonna place this fully in your hands. It may seem like something that's so simple, but whatever it is, God is asking you, will you take this and will you place it in my hand? Will you trust me with this? Some of you, this may be an ability that's in your hand, a decision that you have to make. It may be a fear for you this morning. Whatever it is that you're holding on to and you say, you know what, God, I'm gonna put this in your hands. That's the moment that the fear begins to be dealt with. You see, when we place things in God's hands, that's when everything begins to change. And God begins to write our comeback story. See, in God's hands, a wooden stick known as a shepherd's staff can become a snake. In God's hands, a failure can become a focus for God's purpose in your life. In God's hands, a problem can become a promise of personal growth. In God's hands, a disappointment can become a new dream. In God's hands, your greatest hurt, your greatest brokenness can become your greatest ministry. I've seen God do this over and over and over again in my life, in your lives. And people that I've had the opportunity of, of leading over the years, 
is God has taken their greatest hurt and he's turned it into their greatest ministry. It's fascinating what God does. You see, in God's hands, a cross of torture can become a place of forgiveness. A tomb can become a place of resurrection. That's what God can do. God can literally do anything. So how do we overcome the fear of whatever it is that's holding us back? We have to take whatever it is that we're holding on to, whatever is in your hands and say, God, I'm going to entrust you with this. We break free when we realize that we can't give God what we don't have. You can't give God what you don't have, but you can give him whatever it is that you're holding on to. You can't give God what somebody else has. And so I say to you this morning, stop waiting to give him what you don't have or what somebody else has. Start today and take the step of faith and say, God, I'm actually just gonna give you what I have in my hand right now. Are you willing to lay it down? Are you willing to release that to God? and allow him to do what seems impossible in your life. I challenge you to go read the story of Moses. It's beautiful. It's a story of comeback after comeback after comeback. This morning, I was going to close the service much differently. But God woke me up early this morning and reminded me of something conversation that we had had over 10 years ago is I found myself living alone after nearly 11 years of marriage in an apartment right down the road on Highway 75. I was out for a walk with my two pugs, Buddy and Boomer. I'm a Sooner fan. Yesterday was painful. Comeback story, baby. And I laid down on a cement picnic table and I had a real conversation with God. I said, God, why, why did you do this? God, I, I don't deserve this. God, I don't understand why I'm here. Why? I was angry with God and I let him know God, I, I don't want to be here. See, what I didn't understand is in that moment is God was writing my comeback story. What I didn't understand that in a, in a matter of five or six years that I was going to be the father of three incredible boys. I didn't understand that in that moment because it was too painful to even realize but you know what God said to me in that moment? It's something that I still don't even understand to this day. When I was yelling at him, crying out to him, saying, God, why? Why? You know what he said to me? This is what I heard. Jim, I knew you could handle this. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, God. It's exactly what Moses was saying. 
You want me to go to them and say that I am sent me? Are you kidding me? That's ludicrous. I can't do that. You want me to go tell them about the burning bush? No, I, I really don't want even anybody to know about that. You think Moses was embarrassed? Absolutely he was. Why? Because he was human just like you and I. See, I didn't know in that moment that I was going to have a pastor that it was going to take me in in my deepest brokenness and hold my hand when I couldn't even stand up on my own two feet and say, I, I, I got you. I'm going to support you through this. We're going to get through this together. I didn't know that when I walked back into this room that I was going to have a church that was going to look me back in the face in the eye and say, we're with you. I didn't understand that in that moment. Just like you may be sitting here this morning and saying, God, I have no idea how this is going to happen. It looks impossible. In fact, I don't even know if I want it. God, I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. Why? We ask all the questions. But what you don't see and understand is that God's writing your comeback story in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the anger, in the midst of the frustration. This morning, I'm gonna ask you to do something with me. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me today. You see, what I had in my hand that day was fear and uncertainty. And I wasn't quite right yet ready to release that to God. Why? Because I wanted to hold on to it. I wanted to keep that close. To say, God, I, I, I actually want to tell people how bad I have it. I want to tell people how much I've been burned. That way they feel sympathy for me. God's like, no, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not real concerned with that. I, I, what I want is, is you. What I want is you to release that fear and that uncertainty to me. I want you to release it to me. And this morning, if you're willing to do this with me, I'm gonna ask you just to hold your hands out, palms up. And in this moment, whatever it is that you're holding on to, no matter how impossible it may seem, I want you to fully release that unto God. Say, God, I, I give this to you. God, I'm not gonna carry this any longer. God, I can't, it's too heavy. God, help me to hope one more time. If you're the God of the I am, the God, I'm gonna trust you one more time and I'm going to lay it down at your feet. God, we release that burden to you this morning. God, I pray for every person in this room that's listening to my voice online, 
wherever they may be, traveling down the road. God, that you would make this a burning bush experience for them. God, where you speak to them and you show them exactly what you have for them in this moment. God, that they would begin to believe once again that you are the God of the impossible. God, you are the God of the provision. God, you are the God of our victory. God, you are the God of our peace. And God, no matter what we believe, God, in this moment, God, you are there. God, you are here in this moment. And God, we ask you to meet us, to give us strength to take one more step. God, that you would give us the strength to take one more step, to trust you one more time. God, we love you and we honor you. God, help us to never pick this setback back up again. God, that we would fully release it into your care. And God, that we would fully trust you no matter what, no matter how painful it may be. God, that we would fully trust you no matter how inadequate that we may believe that we are, that we would fully trust you. God, you are, I am. And God, you are able to meet any need that I have. It may not be today. It might be in 40 years. But God, I'm gonna trust you. And I'm gonna release this to you and let you keep it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, I'm gonna ask you to grab your communion elements, if you have those with you. This is something we do every weekend at City Church as we close out with communion. Communion is this, it's a time to remember and reflect and recenter our lives on who Jesus is. Jesus, what a story, what a comeback story. That's why I love the Bible. It's full of comeback stories. It's full of great reminders of God's provision, of his peace, of his victory, that he is there in every moment of our lives. Whether you see him or feel him, he's there. He's here with us this morning. And this wafer represents his body that was broken that day as he gave up his life for us, that way we could have life after this life, that we, we could have peace and trust in him and be able to talk to him at any moment that we need him. I'm so grateful for God, for sending his only son to live and breathe on this planet and give up his life just for me, just for you. Communion is a reminder of that to say, God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Let's take the bread together this morning. The juice represents his blood that was shed that day. 
as he gave up his life. Strength together. I'm gonna ask our prayer team if they'll make their way down to the front. This morning, you may need to make this space an altar where you just come and you spend some time with God. Say, God, God, I need you. You may need to spend some time with one of these people on our prayer team this morning. Say, God, I, 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 I just need to share some things with you this morning. And they'll grab you by the hand and pray with you. A couple of reminders for you today as, as we're leaving this morning. If, if uh, you haven't picked up your big, big team tickets, you can do that right outside. Amber will be out there to assist you. You can show up at the zoo anytime today. Enjoy that with your family. And then we'll kick off our event this evening. It's going to be a great, great night. One thing that if you're a guest with us today, I would love to uh, connect you or connect with you and just say thank you for being here this morning. If you'll stop by the uh, welcome room, it's just right across the lobby. You'll see the big orange sign. You're making way over there. I'd love just to personally thank you for being our guest today. We have a gift for you today. And the last thing is this, is every weekend here at City Church, we close out with our mission statement. And you'll see it on the screen behind me. So let's say that together and go live it out wherever we are. Be the gospel. See you guys.